Welcome back, everybody, to the EPL Boys podcast. It is the boys back yet again, ready to go over all of the games that happened over the weekend, over Monday, Friday, whenever they happened. There's some games that, like one game happened or two, but there's a lot of fun shit to talk about in this game for sure. But without further ado, JD, how was your weekend, buddy, before we get into these games? Because there's some, there's some talking points. My weekend was good. Uh, I went down to Maryland to visit a friend. We did played some foot golf uh, on a golf course. Yeah, Soccer, how was that? Because I've golf. never, oh. I've never even seen that around where I live. It w- it was awesome. This is the first time I played. It, it's so dope. It's like we played the front nine of like an actual golf course, and there were two like foot golf holes on each normal golf hole. And oh, it's that's like cool. a bu- It's like a bucket. They they like dig a hole and put a like a white bucket that could fit like five soccer balls in mm-hmm. and put a flag and put it in the ground like a giant soccer or golf hole and uh yeah you just like kick off and just like golf like dick sh- you it's like each kick is a stroke and you try and like putt like with your foot it's fun it was a fun time there was a beer cart person driving around so we were getting a little toasty it was a good time that's good that's saturday good, afternoon yeah, yeah golf is just like an excuse to drink and drive you know what i mean oh yeah that's absolutely what it that's is. the only that's that's the only reason i play normal golf i love golf because it is the it is an excuse to drive a golf cart around a giant field hit balls out of frustration and get drunk yeah it's great and get, and get drunk in the sun it's it's incredible but yeah matt how was your weekend buddy uh, it was it was actually very very good. Uh, over the weekend, I was actually invited to a closed door uh, Red Bull event. Red Bull yeah, played a friendly against that. DC United. Um, there was only three hundred people in the entire stadium, and that includes like friends and family and stuff like that. So it was absolutely incredible because that is the first time in over a year I've gone to a Red Bull game. And for those who don't know. I'm a massive Red Bull supporter. I'm a Red Bull season ticket holder. So for me, I was in tears. Like, walking into the stadium, like, just, it's so much emotion. Like, it was ridiculous. And now we have the home opener coming up this weekend, and I'm probably going to have to pack at least three pairs of underwear. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm here for it, though. Definitely wear white underwear, yeah. I got vaccinated this weekend, so that was kind of good. My arms is honestly still kind of sore because they, they have to put the needle about four inches inside of your arm, but... Other than that, I feel pretty good. I get my second dose in May, and you know what? The world's the world's kind of coming back to normal, so that's that's good. Glad 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 Matt's able to get back into fucking into a stadium. JD's able to go outside, hang out with buds. It's slowly starting to feel like you know what? Maybe the summer might be all right. We we sure do deserve it, but we definitely deserve some good games, and we got one. But before we get into those games, we have Fulham versus Wolf to talk about because this game wasn't that good. It ended very well. But the, the game as its entirety was not that great. It ended uh, 1-0 in favor of Wolves. Unexpected goals, Fulham 1.86 to 0.5. Possession was dead, even 50-50. Fulham had more shots, 14-7. More chances created, 10-7. And one big chance created to nil. However, Wolves are, were the one winning 1-0. Traore scoring in injury time. Potentially killing Fulham's survival chance. Matt, this was this this hurt. This hurt. 
you saw it on Scott Parker's face the second that Triori hit went in. It's over for Fulham. It is. I, I got. I again. And I was someone here really thinking Full America was gonna. Yeah, me gonna too, make, man. They were. They this were hurts. gonna do it, but the this is their problem is, you know, the same problem they've had all year. They can't score. They can't. This team does everything fundamentally really well except score. They can't create opportunities. They can't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. I have faith that we'll see Fulham back up in the Premier League within the next three years. I really don't think they're going to stay down in the championship long. But if you're one of these English clubs, Scott Parker is someone who you you should look at. Because honestly, he's a coach with great potential, very young, English, understands the game. And honestly, with any kind of better players than what he has on Fulham right now. He would do wonderful things. Honestly, I could I could name four or five clubs he would probably absolutely have a wonderful time with. So, I, I, I don't know if he stays, but yeah, Fulham, it's been a pleasure, but this basically was the overly sized muscle nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Troy scoring his first goal this season, first goal it feels like, of like two years and it ended up Probably killing Fulham's bid to stay up, JD. It probably did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the perfect way to put it. I I don't see Fulham getting out of this. For them right now, every single point matters, and missing out on a singular point right here, just maybe not even the point itself, just the feeling of losing in in the ninety second minute, that just kills everything. And honestly. As good as Fulham has looked, comparative, comparing to the rest of the season for them recently, they've looked decent. But overall, I, I think I think Fulham is just destined to be a good championship club. I yeah. for right now, and I'm not saying for the long term future, but for the next like three to five years, I, I I think maybe they'll get promoted again, but they'll come right back down. Like this is this is the second time in what three years, I guess yeah. that they've. They've been promoted and are going to get relegated. I that that's tough for a club. Like what that it puts you in that position. That what do investors see out of it? Because on one hand, one investor is interested in investing into a championship club, but then when you're you know semi regularly getting promoted to the Premier League, another investor wants to fucking see you stay in the Premier League, and if you can't do that. That it puts you at a crossroads. Like, what are you? Are you a are you a Premier League club or are you a Championship club? If you keep if you keep flip flopping, I, I think it's a really tough position the Fulham's going to find themselves in the next five years. And on the Wolves side, I think they really, really, really need to focus on their fucking attack because as good of players that they have, they should be putting more than one goal past uh, past Fulham. And in the manner that they did it, take nothing away from Adama Traore. The fact that that was his first goal of the season is astounding. Like, that goal was insane. I Just the angle, the speed, the power of the shot. I mean, nobody's saving that. I, that was just, It was incredible. But I can't believe that was his first goal. I, it's crazy to me. For how good of a player he can be, even an inconsistent player scores more than one goal before, you know, April. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, other than that, I think Wolves just really need to focus on their or their clinical finishing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. If Fulham for for Fulham, 
I think they should really keep Scott Parker, or at least try to. I don't think... I just think if you want to be a club that doesn't go up and go back down all the time like a trampoline, you're going to want to have some stability. And firing a manager and rehiring and firing and rehiring is exactly what stupid clubs do, in my opinion. I don't get it. I don't understand it, and I never will. But yeah, for Wolves, they're, they're, they took a little bit of a step back this year with injuries and trying to figure some more things out with the squad because... Wolves over the last couple of years, they've they've had one play style, and when it works, it works really well. But when it doesn't, it just doesn't work, and they haven't been able to play that style that they like this year. And you can kind of tell that they've they're trying new things, and it's not really working all that well. But they're they're fine. They're definitely staying up. I mean, there's absolutely no chance of anything and bad happening them anytime come, soon. Once Amedas comes back for next season, yeah. that'll and, be a huge boost. And for Fulham, they're six points behind Newcastle while also playing one more game. And if West Brom win their game in hand, they'll actually go 18th. So it's done. It's over for them. I think the I think Newcastle have done enough to stay up. They just needed a couple weeks where they just kind of hunkered down to stay up to stay that 17th spot. We'll get to them later. And I just think that they may have done it. But let's move on to some games that are boy howdy. We're going to have some fun talking about this. City 1 leads 2. Unexpected goals. Uh, Who called City, it? City Who won two point one six to point one three for Leeds. Seventy one percent of the possession for a City, so over seventy percent of the ball. And here's where it gets funny: twenty nine, almost thirty shots to two by Leeds. Twenty four chances created to four. The only two big chances created by City to none. However, Dallas scoring a brace for Leeds. Torres, remember Fernando Torres? He plays for City. He scored a goal, but. Yeah, Leeds only had two shots the whole fucking game by Stewart Dallas. Both of them went the fuck in. Leeds, see, this is this is different because like this isn't a Mickey Mouse win. You know what I mean? This isn't like a Make a Wish win because they were given this win. But this is the most undeserved win statistically of the entire fucking season. Doesn't However, matter. JD, you call a win is a win, JD, and you fucking call it. <laughs> I fucking call this. This is fucking Leeds United. This is what they do. They play well, and sorry, not well in, you know, the entertaining aspect because they just sat back and defended the whole time, a counterattack twice, and it worked. But this is this is what leads can do, and I, that's why I picked them to win this game. Was I confident in that? Not at all. Not at all. But if anybody's going to do what happened, it's going to be leads. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that it happened. I just, I wasn't betting on it i did not bet on this game i should have fuck me i usually don't make dumb bets like this mm-hmm. but but like city are complacent and it's you know what it's a luxury that they're in the position that they are it's, it's the same with liverpool last season where they were they were in a position where they could lose a couple games you know on on at the tail end of the season because it didn't matter they were too far ahead and i think that's what city's in, in, that's the position they're in right now. They can afford to not be clinical for a couple weekends because they're just so far ahead, it doesn't fucking matter. And yeah. this is good for Leeds. This is a good boost for them. Uh, I don't see them making... I don't think they'll make a push for Europe or anything, but I just... This season, anyway. But Maybe. I mean, they're maybe. O- they're only depends. four points behind Tottenham who, who are in possession of seventh. 
I know, I know, but I I think it's too tight. I think it's too tight up there in in the 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 fourth to seventh. I think I think it's just too tight with better teams overall, um, more consistent. I should say because leads if if if, if leads are anything, they're inconsistent in an entertaining way. Because like yeah. even a boring leads win, like on paper this is with two shots, two on target, two goals. That is a boring win on paper, but it's leads. They're an entertaining team to watch. Yeah. Those two goals were awesome. Like they weren't just like yeah yeah they, it, this was not a make a wish game they they create those two goals were clinical counterattacks that Stuart Dallas put in and and the fact that they were down a man for the entire second yeah, half that was also from crazy. A, des, a, a deserved red card I mean yeah, definitely yes <laughs> Liam Cooper wins the ball but I mean the momentum you can't studs up into Gabriel Jesus you can't do that and and that is a I mean, if the refs got one thing right this weekend, it was that red card, and it shows to it shows lead strength that they were able to be organized and play the full second half of the game. That is so underrated when a team can yeah. play a man down for half the game against and pull City. out a, yeah against City, the best team in the league, and pull out not only a result but a win. Yeah. So I I, I think it says a lot about how leads play and. Just the fact that City City are complacent right now, and, yeah. but it doesn't matter. It well, doesn't matter for them. You say they're complacent. They did have almost thirty shots, so they yeah. were just they were just shooting at, at will. And only, se- and only but seven they on missed target. Will. Yeah, and they missed a lot. That, that complacency isn't just not creating. Complacency yeah. could be lack of being clinical. I yeah. mean, if you're just shooting to shoot, it doesn't matter. And I will say, Kevin De Bruyne didn't play in this game, and no. That City did put hindrance. like a pretty City did put out like a pretty meh squad, all things considered. But they're you know they're trying to stay fit for the Champions League, so they're able to put these squads out that are kind of like not that great right now. But yeah, Matt, I don't know what the fuck to say about this game, man. Good, so, good job, Leeds. Good job. So before I say anything, I said it you know during the game. I said it right after the game. Leeds are in my Leeds earned my respect today and i know my respect means fuck all to like a ton of people but for me someone who's questioned everything about Leeds since the second that they were coming up they earned my respect because this is a team i you know they can't defend they can't they when their back's against the wall they break oh yeah they run all the time but that's not going to do anything for you they went up against the best team in the premier league and yes, a lot of stars for this team were on the bench resting for a Champions League. But shame on Pep for not respecting your opponent. Because I'm telling you right now, when Leeds saw that starting lineup and they saw all those stars on the bench, when you're the little guy in these heavyweight bouts, that just gives you hope. They're not taking us seriously. Let's go for it. And you know what? Yes, Leeds had the low possession. Leeds had the low amount of shots. But you know what? Leeds outplayed Manchester City for 90 minutes. And I don't care what people say about it. It's hard for me to say that. It really is hard for me to say that. Leeds was the better team today. Because their game plan outplayed Manchester City's game plan. And the way Manchester City play falls perfectly into what Bielsa wants to play. And honestly, this was the perfect cocktail for chaos and honestly unless you're a manchester city fan you loved every second of this game yeah 
Oh, and honestly, <laughs> I, I was about to, the red card was even appropriate. Like the honestly, this game needed a red card for Leeds to do something like this. Of course, Leeds <laughs> would have to be down a man. Of course, of course, Dallas, a guy who has like eight goals all season, has to bang in two against the what could be Premier League champions this year. So it, it's it, it's nuts. It's crazy. But you know what? For the soccer world, this is this is what we need, and this is another reason why the Premier League is absolutely perfect. Because in other leagues, this shit doesn't happen. Yeah, this just doesn't it's a per- happen. This is a Premier League exclusive shit housery and honestly like i said leads earned my respect every single player on that lead starting lineup today earned my respect and i think this again opposite side of the coin pep this is what you get for underestimating your opponent leads is a team that if they see you're not taking them seriously they're gonna fucking punch you in the face yeah which is what they did you don't disrespect the third best manager in the world pep who is a better manager than you you don't do well, it I, I don't know does bielsa overtake pep here is he second well, Pep was the second in that list anyway. Oh, wait. Who was second in that list? Kovac. Oh. The Bayern coach. Yeah. Who is number one? Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I just... I'm, was it, it Kovac? It's been a It was whoever's no, 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 coaching, coaching Bayern. No, coaching yeah. It was... Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking? It was whoever's coaching Bayern. I think... It is, it Hansi, is it Hansi? Is it Hansi Flick? Flick. Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick. Flick. Yeah. Kovac's the one that coached before him. It was Flick. Hansi... Hansi Flick, who has... More trophies than losses. Yeah, he oh, won so six sorry. trophies in one season. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, so Pep, so Pep, Pep underestimated. He underestimated a coach that was ranked higher than him yeah. in the world rankings. On, honestly, okay, uh, Bielsa. Oh, so that's I, even worse of a of a yeah. of a slight against Pep. Bielsa okay, overrated I, the the manager above him. You know what I mean? Or underrated the manager above him? Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Next game. Speaking of Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool two, Villa one. On expected goals, Liverpool won 2.29 to 0.55. They had two-thirds of the possession, 23 shots to nine, 16 chances created to nine, um, and three big chances to one. Salah and Trent on the score sheet for Liverpool. Ollie Watkins scoring for Aston Villa. JD, Liverpool get redemption against Villa for the unfortunate 7-2 loss earlier in the year. Look what happens when Adrian does a playing goal. Who would have thought? This is very good for Liverpool as they're trying to claw somehow into top four. I don't know how the fuck we're even still in contention for that, but we are. Very, like, I think two points out of it currently. This is this is exactly what Liverpool needed. Ninety first minute winner by Trent. This this was a this this felt good. This felt real good. Yes, this felt great. And really, my biggest takeaway from this game was that one. Or well, I have a couple takeaways. That one, a good win at Anfield, which doesn't come around very often this season. Yeah, I know. Right? Uh, open play goals what are those at Anfield these days? So this was great, but the biggest thing is this is the biggest example of why Trent should be in the midfield. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a midfielder playing right back, and it has worked because of Van Dyke and, and players like Gomez and Matzit playing very well defensively. And I most competent Liverpool fans will be the first to... to clap back when somebody says Trent's not a good defender most competent Liverpool fans will say well he's not a defender he's literally a right midfielder and I I don't understand I don't know what Jurgen Klopp needs more to show him that he should be playing in midfield he is the kind of player that can put a very good ball into the box from the from a wide area but can also fucking score a goddamn 25 yard curler we've seen it multiple times 
the fact that he scored this, it was it was after a corner, so he was actually on the left side, which is it's really weird to see that goal because he's not in his normal position. At yeah, I don't all. know why he was there. Because he, the cor- right? no, yeah, he, he, he took the corner. No, because he took he took the corner. So he, yeah. so Robertson true. had moved to the right side. So he was true, on true, the true, left true. side. Yeah, that's did why he, he was he's right footed. Did he yeah. take the corner quickly? No, he did not. <laughs> and Manchester United lost to Sheffield United. Let me just bring that up again. But oh, fine. Uh, and that's five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but just like I love that, I love that. Immediately after he scored that, they shot to Gareth Southgate sitting in the fucking stands. Dude, it was Perfect. hilarious. It was so funny. It was so funny. And so, uh, it, it was just so funny. But Liverpool, they needed this win. I it, it was it was payback for the beatdown they took at Villa Park. But overall, this get, this gives really a confidence for Liverpool for that top four finish. Yeah, massive, massive confidence going forward. But yeah, Matt, your thoughts on the game? I, this was a great performance for Liverpool, and it was well needed. I mean, honestly, yeah, it was level for the majority of the game, and it took that late winner, you know, from TAA to really, you know, get it over the line. But it was an exciting game. Honestly, for a neutral like myself, this game was great. I mean, honestly, I do want to tip my hat to Aston Villa. You know, they are still without Jack Grealish, and God knows that this team needs Jack Grealish. But they played a very competitive game. And honestly, I think the team is slowly learning how to play without Jack, which is honestly going to be even better when he does come back because some of these guys will be able to actually carry some of the load. Now, you guys are going to both explain everything about, you know, everything Liverpool. And honestly, JD brought up a very good point. And honestly, I agree. I've made this comment multiple times that I think Trent Alexander-Arnold Arnold should be a like right mid. I think in a situation where he needs to play outside, I think he'd be great because he can still be defensive, but he's not going to be the defensive part of it. Guys, what would you think if Liverpool went to a back five with wingbacks? I think we have too many, we have too many midfielders. To do a back five, that I is, think that's uh, that's the problem. That's essentially have, what we play off the ball and, or like with possession anyway, though. Like yeah, because Fabinho usually it's not drops any different back. to what to what we regularly okay. play. This no, is this yeah. is why I hard disagree with Trent moving to move to a midfield spot or a right mid because that's basically what he does anyway. And he just lines up at right back. That's just because that's where he fits in the in the team. But I he plays okay. In the call it a right, right call it a right center midfielder. I mean, if you had a midfield of you know, Fabinho sitting behind and then Thiago slash Henderson and Trent on the right. No, because no, then, I, di- no I disagree. It, because no. then, then who, who are you going to put a right back to play right back? I'll turn place right you back. You buy, you buy a right back. Who? This summer. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No one I'm plays just... right back. How Trent plays right back. You can't replace him. This is why you can't move him because you can't replace him at that position. At but least he's not, not good defensively. Moment. You buy a defensive right back. That's still kind of quick. He's, he's been better defensively. And when you actually have center backs that can make up for it rather than fucking Danny Phillip, the mid yeah, and midfielders, I mean, it's fine. I, I guess. I just I I think I, I think his his future lies in the midfield. If if we can get a right back that will play the position how he plays it, yes. But I don't think that exists right now in in, in world football. I think it's 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 kinda like a paradox in a way. I mean, if you look at players like like take like a, a Sergi Roberto. At Barcelona, 
Ew. Or or a Nelson Tomato at Wolves who formed Barcelona. Or Ew. a Danny Carvajal at he said Real Madrid. He said Carvajal. I'm not saying Come those on, are bro. players that Liverpool oh, are going to okay. go in for. Okay. I'm saying the say, style. <laughs> I'm not saying those are put. No, 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 no. I'm saying the okay. style where they're still like quick fullbacks that go forward a lot. But they are good defensively. They huh. they don't have the assist numbers that Trent has, but they do the they do the full job. You know, they can bring the ball forward and start the attack. I just like I they look exist. at this I look at this from the point of view that like Bayern Munich have to deal with with Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies, JD will know from being a big MLS fan like myself and, and I'm sorry, and Logan, who is the biggest MLS Day fan one, baby. of this trio. <laughs> If you remember Alfonso Davies, before getting to Bayern, he was a winger his entire career. This guy didn't play defense. Like, this guy only went forward. He would pick the ball up in the middle of the field and, with his ridiculous pace, just run through people. And it wasn't until Bayern, he got to Bayern, where they brought him in, realized there's nowhere to play him, and they basically went like, hey, we're going to teach you to defend, and I we just want you to kind of stand over here. I feel like it's kind of the same situation Bayern Munich's in, where it's like, you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, honestly, you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, he is the best offensive right back in the world, and it's not even fucking close. No. Not even close. Like, they're, they're, I can't think of a number two where I could make an argument that, like, offensively, there is... No 1A, 1B. There's only one. But defensively, you just have to take that risk. That's the risk you take. But again, I feel like these conversations will go away the second Liverpool get back Van Dyke and the rest of their center-back pairings. The second, you know, Trent has the luxury of not having to worry about, oh, hey, if I leave my post, you know, no one's there to help me. Now starting next year when everyone comes back, which, again, Liverpool immediately become a contender for the title right off the bat. If he has someone to help him back there, Trent has that luxury of not having to worry every single time he pushes forward with the ball, which then gives you someone additional going forward, which gives people like Salah, Mane, Firmino, Jota more room to work. And now that you have Thiago, like I said, I think Liverpool's biggest downfall this year is injuries. And I know a lot of people in the media say that's a cop-out answer, but it's not. Liverpool, it has to be at some point two-thirds of your starting lineup was out injured, and they were still in the top six in the Premier League. That's pretty fucking impressive. Thanks, bud. Thanks, bud. That felt good. But yeah, me and JD could talk about Liverpool. We could talk about Trent probably as well, closer to the Euros and England situation in its entirety, so that's going to be fun to talk about. But let's let's move on to a complete ass-whooping that uh, the team who whooped their ass actually won. Chelsea 4, Crystal Palace 1. On expected goals, Chelsea won 3.13 to 0.38. They had 64% of the possession, 23 shots to 1, 25 chances created to 1, 6 big <laughs> chances created to 1. Uh, Pulisic got a brace, Havertz and Zuma scoring for Chelsea, and then Christian Benteke, somehow Chris Bell scored in this game. I don't really know how they managed it, but hey, you want to talk about efficiency, one shot, one goal, one chance created, one big chance, hey man, it all, that's, that's all you need sometimes, however, whenever you allow four goals, it doesn't really matter, but yeah, Matt, uh, I don't really have any an- analysis in this game other than Chelsea just beat the shit out of Crystal Palace. Um, the, my biggest takeaway from this game 
is Havertz looks great in a false nine. Like, absolutely. Like, watching him play in that false nine was concerning. And I'm concerning in a good way. Concerning as in, shit, if Tuchel figures out a way to get this guy in a spot where he's going to actually be able to play and play well, uh, shit, the rest of the Premier League gets put on fucking notice. And if Mason Mount is allowed to look that good out on the wing... I thought he was only a good center attacking mid. He's now playing out in the wing, and he's still looking great doing it. And again, this is Crystal Palace. This is a team that's in the bottom fourth of the table. I get it. You got to take everything with a grain of salt. But guys, we have to talk about Christian Pulisic. Like, out of his skin, once again, Tuchel, just do what Big Frank couldn't. Let this dude play left wing. That's all he wants to do in life. He wants to come in from the left, cut in right, and he wants to cause chaos and damage. That's all this guy wants to do. Yeah. Come on. Like, honestly, I think the biggest takeaway from this entire game is Timo Werner does not need to be in this starting lineup. No. And honestly, for the wages that he's probably on and the amount it costs to get him in, I don't know if he's going to stick around. And honestly, I think he's just going to turn into another... Eh, we just bought him, but we can't sell him. So let's just loan him out. So yep. on, honestly, I think, like, I don't think it's a hot take because it's out in the universe already. But honestly, I think Timo Werner might look for a temporary new home in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, this this front three for Chelsea, pull a Sigma out, and then Havertz playing as, like, a center forward is potentially very scary because all those guys are super young. I mean, with, with Werner, there's, I don't think there's really any hope that he will actually turn into anything good. I, I honestly think that he's been so shit that there's really no hope with people, but Havertz, there is still hope that like his price tag will definitely be warranted one day. And this game, this is a game that shows why people still think that. But yeah, JD, anything else to add other than just, again, Chelsea beat the fuck out of Crystal Palace. Yeah, this was just a, a Chelsea beat down on a pretty Oops. not great team overall, but somehow they're going to survive the Premier League yet again. They always uh, do it. The, yeah, the only, I mean, we could talk, like, Christian Pulisic looked fantastic. His attack positioning was awesome. Like, just both his goals were just pure attack positioning. The definition of just being in where you're supposed to be at the right time, but in, a, in an intelligent way on, on, mm-hmm. the, on the field. That Like, we could talk a lot about that, but the one thing I want to say is, man, if you concede to, to a Christian Benteke goal... <sighs> that's a little slight on the win. Even though you scored four, <laughs> you yeah. can't be conceding to Christian Benteke. It's yeah. just not a good look. Just not it's, a good look. Especially on Christian Palace's one shot of the whole fucking game. Yeah, like, ex- yeah, exactly. Now, I will say it was a bullet header. It, it was mm-hmm. it was an unsavable. I mean, it's an unsavable header, but still, it's Christian Benteke. Come on, guys. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't do that. You're better <laughs> than that. You're better yeah. than that. But yeah, that's but, yeah. really all that needs to be said in that game. We can honestly just move on to... The game that probably saved Newcastle season. Newcastle 2, Burnley 1. On expected goals, Burnley actually won 2.03 to 1.25. They have 57% of the ball. 24 shots. Burnley 24 shots in the game to 10. 16 chances to to 10, but big chances uh, fell. How the game finished 2 to 1 in favor of Newcastle. Vidra scoring for Burnley, but Murphy and St. Maximin scoring. St. Maximin also getting the assist as well. Came on off of the bench immediately pretty much saved Newcastle season. Like, he is so much better than any of the other shit that Newcastle's put out all season. 
This guy is, whenever he's healthy, is a genuine superstar, man. And JD, he, like I said, probably just saved Newcastle's season single handedly. Yeah, I mean, he's Newcastle's player of the year for sure. I, I, he's only played like 10 se- games. He's been injured all fucking year, too. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He is their most important player. And that's that's after me, over the summer, when they signed Cal Wilson and Ryan Frazier, I thought that was such a huge boost to this team. And the problem is, Cal Wilson has been injured. When he has played, he's looked good. And Ryan Frazier has been injured, but also when he's healthy, he just doesn't fucking play. I don't understand why. I think he's fa- he's a fantastic player. I don't understand why he doesn't play half the time. But Alan St. Maximin is the the guy that I just I just kind of not forgot about. I just didn't think as much when they signed Callum Wilson. I thought that was a huge signing for them, and I just kind of I did kind of forget about Alan St. Maximin how good he looked at times last season. But this season, man, anytime he plays, he just takes over a game. And it's he is just so technical with his dribbling and his vision to sit. I mean, to set up the the Jacob Murphy goal, which was a great goal. I mean, he sets up that goal, but Jacob Murphy does a lot of the hard work there. That was such a fantastic goal. But then Alan St. Maximus goal him for himself was fantastic. His his decision making for where he shot that ball. I mean, I I think everyone looking at it, you expect him to shoot it in into the far left post, which will probably be saved. But yeah. he he pretty much fools the keeper by looking there and just hits it to the right, and the keeper doesn't even move. I it's he is yeah he is the reason that Newcastle will probably stay up this season. I think yeah hundred percent yeah in thirty three minutes he created three chances off the bench like yeah that's immediate insane. immediate sub impact for that. Um, man, for Burnley, they played pretty good. They actually had a lot of really good. They had good stats. They played decently in this game, but it's, it's they don't have a player like Alan St. Maximin. They just don't. And, and that's exactly God. You're reading my fucking notes. Uh, this is it. I'm in your Burnley, house. Actually. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> honey, honey, lock the doors. <laughs> no, this is. This is it, though. Like, honestly, Burnley don't have a killer. Like, same, and again, I'm saying this in the nicest way humanly possible. St. Maximum is a killer. That guy comes mm. on the field, and he just wants to ruin He's people's day. He is. He's just a- absolutely. And I, I, there's just a little bit of disappointment on Burnley. Because a couple, yeah. like, honestly, that one goal by St. Maximum where he basically walked up the field, and you had five Burnley players escorting him. Like, they all ran with him, but no one wanted to get within 10 yards of this guy. And it's not until he got into his own in, into their box where they decide, okay, now let's start to defend. Like, you didn't put enough respect on this guy. And honestly, we all know Sean Deitch. We, he's a defensive coach. He packs it back, and he sits there and grinds it out. And, you know, Burnley went out to that early lead. Now, guys, we could talk about the not red cards, the kicks in the faces and all that stuff. But I think we're going to save our VAR controversy for a little bit later. But uh, for Burnley, I th- this is, again, I think you have enough to stay up. I Honestly, with how much other chaos is going below Burnley, I think that they're going to be okay. But uh, Burnley, I just feel like this is just another game where you had the opportunity you you heard Logan, everyone. You heard all the chances that they created, the shots on target. You got to do better. You have to. You have to be more clinical because to play that defensive style, you need to be able to put the ball in a couple times a game. 
it only proves that, you know, you can have a three-goal lead in this league. doesn't mean shit. It doesn't, it doesn't mean shit. Ask West Ham, because they almost blew another one. Great transition, actually, to West Ham 3, Leicester 2. On expected goals, Leicester actually won 0.9 to 0.82. Not a lot of expected goals in this game. Leicester had more possession, 64 to 36. More shots, 15 to 4. Only four shots all game by West Ham. Uh, all of them ended up being on target. 12 chances created by Leicester to 7 from West Ham, but two big chances created from West Ham, none from Leicester. If you would have told me earlier in the season we would see Jesse Lingard get a brace against uh, an Ian Nacho brace in the same game, I would have thought you were watching the championship. But alas, here we are and in a top four fight. Ian Nacho scoring two for Leicester and a Lingard brace with Jared Bowen as well getting on the score sheet and getting an assist. West Ham, they went up 3-0 again, tried to fuck it yet again. However, they just couldn't do it. Leicester, not enough firepower. It got really squeaky towards the end of the game. This was an awesome game to watch. And West fucking Ham, keep rolling, JD. Lingard, he's been he's been their player of the year. Yeah, uh, in half a season, he has been better than any other West Ham player. And it's crazy to think that. I just, from a Manchester United outcast, a highly paid Manchester United player, for many years and going on loan to West Ham that just spell that just spells bad news for that player but mm-hmm. he has taken this opportunity and it's it's just it's cra- it's astounding to say like i Jesse Jesse Lingard is a meme he's a walking meme but he is somehow played well and i just i i can't under i i don't understand how but I good for him. I his first goal was ridiculous. I yeah, a lot good. of his goals this season have been ridiculous. I, I just I, I I don't have an answer for it. Good for West Ham. I hope they get him on a permanent deal because they are a different team without him. And I think Jared Bowen is great for them. I was I was very happy that they signed him. I remember seeing him at Hull, him at Hull City in like an FA Cup game a couple years ago, and I was like, that's a really good player right there. And what do you know, West Ham snap him up. And he looked really good in this game. I On the Leicester side, they just didn't do enough. I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, they're missing Madison. I mean, I they, well, they were missing Madison, Chowdhury, and Iosi Perez, I think, because of uh, COVID protocol breaching uh, yep. to the club. So they were suspended. But they, I think Madison will be in contention for the next game, um, mm-hmm. which will be a big boost for them. But... They just they, they didn't I mean they created a lot I guess statistically but they they just it took a, a couple scrappy Inacho goals to even be in it and that's not enough against a very informed West Ham team which is what they were up against and it, it's just crazy to think it's like West Ham Leicester City is a huge top four battle it's like what mm-hmm. the yeah. fuck like I know right exactly yeah yeah Lingard eight goals three assists nine games. In the Premier League. Wild. wild Stupid wild. numbers. Fucking dumb numbers. Yeah, Matt, yep. this game was... This game also was awesome. It was incredible. Immediately, like, West Ham immediately go up, like, 3-0 first half. And you're like, uh, here we go again. They're just going to beat them. But and they also kind of fucked it, though, at the end of the game. Like, they keep trying to lose these games. But they end up somehow managing to scrape them by. <laughs> But And that's exactly what the pundits were saying across the board. All game, even though West Ham was up big and early, all the pundits were like, hey, this is West Listen, Ham. Watch out for the goals. Watch out for the goals. Now, let's be fair here. Some of those Ianacho goals were some 
pretty nice goals. Let's not take yeah. anything away from him. But no. yeah, if you're West Ham, I- I've never seen a win where the manager beeline to the locker room so quickly because you know he's going to give you guys a talking to. This isn't going to be one of those things where everyone's going to be happy in the locker room. David Moyes is probably going to wring some of these guys' necks out. Like, are you kidding me? We can't be playing games like this and giving up two goals because you're not going to score three goals every single game. No. And yes, I understand Declan Rice being out, and honestly, that uh, towards the end of the game, you miss that leadership in the middle of the field. And you guys have said what you guys need to say about Jesse Lingard. I don't need to say anything else. For me as a United fan, this is the biggest win, 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 win scenario on earth because not only is a guy who might have just left on a free, like United honestly might have just let this guy's contract expire and he would have just walked off into the sunset. Yeah, um, you took a guy where we might not make any money from to a guy whose value is literally increasing by the day. And lucky enough, Manchester United are interested in a player who currently plays for West Ham. West Ham have turned around and they've labeled this guy being worth around $80 million. So if Jesse Lingard is worth 30 and United want to pay them 50 in cash, I don't see why this isn't a win-win for all parties involved. West Ham are going to get money as well as West Ham are going to get Jesse Lingard and Manchester United get Declan Rice. I feel like this is just the biggest win on earth for all parties involved. Do you really think Edward is that smart? Well, you got to remember now. I don't Ed think Wood- he is. <laughs> but hold on. You got to remember now, Ed Woodward is not the final say anymore. So now, Ollie has different people in place. Yes, Ed is, a, Ed is a part of the process. But Ed Woodward has been trying to get Declan Rice now for about three years. So this and he is hasn't right in- succeeded. Ah, but this is just a part of the time of the game plan where now we're executing something. No, I'm just like, that's what Ed Woodward does. Apparently it took Paul Pogba four years of negotiation to get back to United. That was basically almost his entire time with Juventus anyway. Like, that's just <laughs> what Ed Woodward does, and it's a complete joke. But honestly, I think this is a massive win for all parties involved. And honestly... I know I see it. I could see it happening. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't know about you guys, but I can see it happening. But guys, I want to talk about how West Ham might be playing against teams like Bayern Munich and like Barcelona. Could you fucking imagine? Like, I just could you? They're not really going to be playing against them. They're going to. They could be the only London team in the fucking Champions League. They could be it. The only Champions League teams coming to London could be playing at West Ham Stadium. Not Chelsea's. They're not Stamford Bridge. Not the fucking Emirates. They're not going to Tottenham Stadium. They're going to fucking... They're going to West Ham's. West Ham's! I I just can't imagine... I just can't imagine teams like Bayern Munich or like Barcelona traveling to the London Stadium... And basically, like they're landing, and they're like, "Wait, what team are we playing against?" Dude, oh, West, yeah. oh West, Benzema West Ham doesn't even know West that Ham. West Ham exists as a club. That's ex- you think that's motherfuckers ex- like they fucking cruise? They're, they're probably no, 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 no. Like Bayern Munich's training staff are probably gonna make all the players watch fucking Green Street Hooligans. So, yeah. Right before the game, so that they know yeah. what the fuck the club is. Like, yeah. no, yeah. not hey. to, not to say that West Ham is a small club, but like. In Germany, they probably now, don't follow West Ham. Like Now, I don't care. COVID restrictions, no COVID restrictions. If West Ham 
hosts a Champions League game. And there's no the fans. fans. No, the fans are just going in. Like the yeah. fans are just going in. West Ham, not they're just going in. Like this isn't yeah. this Let's isn't just a negotiation. Turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. Okay. Let's just this is you. this is one of those things where it's got to happen. David Moyes on Tuesday nights playing against Barcelona at the London Stadium. I think uh, I think Mia Khalifa Mia Khalifa is going to be a new fan of West Ham again. She's going to be coming back. She's does she's she going to come back. But does anyone else's head she's ever had? Tell you that much. But does but does anyone else's head hurt like with the last statement I said? Like David David Moyes. It's so funny that I love it. Mark Noble is going to be the captain of West Ham when they play against Bayern Munich on Tuesday nights. At the Allianz Arena. Can you imagine like, Mark Noble exchanging, like, club, like, flags with fucking Manuel Neuer? <laughs> the midfield battle, bro. The midfield battles between... 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 Between Cruz and Mark yeah. Noble. <laughs> Tony Cruz versus Mark Noble. Put that on a... Put that on a poster right there. That's hilarious, yeah. Wins, wins, wins for everyone but Lester because they are slipping. Yeah, they might, I was about. Well, they I, might fuck it again. That would I was really just, suck. I, I was actually just about to ask you guys, guys. Lester are free falling. They're gonna fuck it, could, it again, man. Are, are they gonna fuck it up again? Are I think they? they're gonna fuck it up again because they they're fourth. They well, no, I, I think they're still third, but they're only one point ahead of West Ham. But they're currently on form, not one point better. Chelsea are better. We're better. Like I, they're probably gonna drop. And also, I think their schedule is like hard as fuck too. Let me check it out. I think I their they, schedule is pretty difficult. I do know. I do know they still have to go to Manchester United. Yeah. So at one point. so they have to play Southampton in the FA Cup, and then it's West Brom, Crystal Palace, and then Southampton the league, which is you know, and then Newcastle. But they end the season Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham. Hey, wow. that's not if, easy. If, if Sheffield can do it, I think Leicester can do it. I think they might be able to. They might be able to. Um, speaking of Manchester United, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Jose Mourinho didn't didn't pull through. This is again. This is a podcast of redemption because six one to seven two are long distant memories, boys. Because we came back and we won the second legs. We both lost on aggregate in these ties, unfortunately. But hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. Manchester United three, Tottenham one. Unexpected goals. Manchester United won two point one one to point eight seven. They had more possession, fifty three. To 47. Uh, both teams had 12 shots. Uh, Manchester United had more chances created 12 to 10, and more big chances 3 to 1. Youngman's son scoring for Tottenham after he was resurrected on the field. However, Greenwood, Cavani, and Fred scoring for Manchester United, and it wasn't from outside of the box. I I've seen also I've seen bad defending. Tottenham are awful at the back, and they were up one nil at halftime. But there's, there's a couple of stats I saw on Twitter. Tottenham have dropped 11 points in the final 10 minutes. They've I think they've lost seven games this season after leading at halftime. They can't hold leads to save their lives. And another game where they're up, but they fuck it in the second half. Matt, Fred scored in a fucking game. Now let me be clear. Okay. <laughs> Listen to the man. Every single word. The millisecond. So we're going to talk. Do you guys want to talk about Honestly, I'm going to ask you guys. I don't give a fuck. You, are we talking about the VAR call now, or are we going to wait until later? To I don't talk? care. We'll do it at the end. At the end of right, this All right, part. we'll do it at the end. So 
basically, I did not watch this game after a certain call because the millisecond. Oh, I remember you saying that. You were, yep. you were nope. stopped watching. Yep. So, um, <laughs> for me, well, for me, this is, I just looked at it from a point of view of this is going to be exactly like chapter one this year where Tottenham are going to get a very, very, very nice call from the ref. And then immediately United's going to get fucked and that's going to be it. So basically, I was just not having it. It was a Sunday afternoon. The weather was nice. I had errands to go run. So I just left. And honestly, I turned off the notifications on my phone. I just turned on the final notification. And if I wanted to, I'd watch the highlights later. I watched the highlights later. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh... By the way, I just want a moment of silence for Young Ming's son. I'm I'm really glad he recovered from his really horrible, horrible injury. I mean, people don't usually walk away from injuries like that. It was he went to heaven, bro. He 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 chilled with Van Dyke and Gomez, and then son remembered the 2018-19 Champions League final. Was like, I don't want to be around this guy anymore because I'm scared of him. So he came back to life. That that's it's a foul all day. It it was a beautiful it was a beautiful, touching, amazing. Wonderful I, I thing th- to happen on the field. But it was honestly, just like Easter, dude. He rose after three hours on the ground, just like Jesus rose after three days. It was just, it was just wonderful. But honestly, you look at this Manchester United side, they're not afraid to go down. Honestly, I really wish Ollie would just tell these guys going into every single game, hey guys, uh, first minute, we gave up a goal. Okay, let's go. This team has 28 points earned from losing positions. Guys, that is top in Europe's top five leagues like that's crazy the comeback kids that's all united are these guys like playing from behind that's what she said overall this team doesn't care this team doesn't this team isn't afraid anymore honestly watching these you like watching these united games i don't know how many times this year i've seen them go down and they looks it almost looks like it turns it you know it, it it flicks a switch where these guys are basically like okay Let's get it going now. I'm hoping over the next year or so, new additions, we could stop the whole going behind by one or going behind by two and having to do with the whole comeback thing. But overall, United outplayed Spurs from top to bottom. United proved why they are the second best team in England. Overall, absolute great contribution from Paul Pogba. He had probably one of the best games he's ever had as a Manchester United player. Bruno played very well. Fred played very well. Ollie doing that diamond formation that he's kind of been flirting with, where he has basically Marcus Rashford and Cavani playing as like a front two, and then just having Bruno, Paul, Scott, and Fred kind of just rotate in that diamond formation. It works. It really works with teams that do load up the middle or teams that like to counterattack like Tottenham do. Because... Even though Fred and Scott pushed forward on times to t- like from time to time, any time Harry Kane got the ball and wanted to make that turn to go hit that counterattack, he had two United midfielders right on his back that wouldn't let him do anything. And honestly, tactically, Ollie won this battle. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about Tottenham. So Tottenham, apparently they have this really good coach named Josie. I- I've never heard of him. Um, apparently he's supposed to be like the special one. Um, how is it that they have more points lost in the second half than any other team in the premier league? 
Um, that's pretty fucking impressive for a guy who, you know, thinks he's so loved as a coach. I'll be honest here. Tottenham players hate Josie Mourinho. They hate everything about him. And in the first half, that's why they play so well. And in the second half, that's why they play so shit. Because at halftime, they have to hear this guy fuck up a whole game plan. I bet you guys, you have players like Lucas Mora, Harry Kane, Hyung Ming Sung, who want to push forward. They want to go for a second goal. They want to do stuff. And Josie's sitting here like, nope, everyone must sit behind the ball. We will protect our one nothing lead. And that's why they lost. And that's why United won. Hmm. Gotcha. That's, that's good analysis. Yeah, because also for Tottenham, I will say, they have appalling center backs. Every, it's it's not like Liverpool where like sometimes we have to play bad center backs because everyone else is dead. They don't have good center backs. Like Eric Dyer is trash. Joe Rodon, I guess he's young, he's young. but he's, he's young. He's young. He's he's twenty three. Like he should be better. than Yeah, that but twenty three. He came from Swansea. It, he hasn't had a lot of like big game experience. I don't care where he's came from. He's not very good. Hey, Dan James came from Swansea. You put some respect. He's I'm not, not saying, very no, no, good. No, I'm not. I'm not. So it's, it's not it's a slight fine. Swansea. <laughs> I'm a slight Swansea. I'm just saying. They signed. Like, good, they, signed they signed Jordan Morris for two months until he tore his ACL. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. The Swan. The Swansea effect. We like Swans down this pod, but like Davis Sanchez is dog shit, and like Toby Artavarold is way past his prime and getting worse every single fucking year, and he's their best center back. So it's kind of like, you, you, they are bad. Like all three of United's goals came from just dog shit center back play. Like why is Fred un, just uh, able to walk pretty much into the six yard box? Why is that happening? Like, why are you guys flat-footed when Cavani's trying to make that run into the box for his goal? And he did, like, four times already in the game. And you were flat-footed then. Why the fuck aren't you looking at that? Because he's done it. He did it, like, half half a dozen times in the game before he scored it. What the fuck? Are you, are you not aware of what's happening in the game? Do you just stand there like trees and just hope that you guys keep a clean sheet? Thank God Tottenham have Hugo Lloris... Or else this could have been like 5 nil or like 5-1. It genuinely could have. There were a couple saves by Lloris that's like, wow. If if they just had a, at least one good center back, they, they would be in a better position. But, man, I don't really know what to say about Tottenham. I don't know where the fuck they're going to finish. I don't really know what's going to happen. But, JD, I'm very I'm very intrigued by what's going to happen. I'll, I'll say that at least. No, I mean, Tottenham... They yeah you're right they they don't have any good center backs I Toby Alderweireld yeah you said he's past his prime he's their best center back that's not good enough for a top six team very much not good enough that that's it's just not good enough for a team like Tottenham they want to keep hold of Harry Kane good fucking luck yeah because, GG like like good fucking luck because I I don't even see like it's not that they don't have good players at a lot of a lot of positions on the field they like Hugo Lloris is still a decent goalkeeper uh more than decent goalkeeper he's still a very good goalkeeper Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in world football I he he's still the goal he's still the goalie for the French national team correct yeah yeah okay yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and you you have Harry Kane who's you know one of the best strikers in world football I probably only behind Lewandowski on, you know, on a good, like on a normal day is probably number two, Harry Kane. And Hyungin Son is a fantastic winger. And you have players like Giovanni Lo Celso, who 
you know, if he gets a run of games, he can look really good. And and Dombele, who is very good, you have good players. It's just certain positions that you need to focus yeah. on, especially it's this unbalanced. Summer. It's it, not it, like yes, spread out very it's well. It's so unbalanced that the defense is just poor. When you're playing Rodon and uh, and Davison Sanchez or Outer World and Serge Aurier, Eric I, Dyer. Yeah, yeah, and Eric Dyer. It, it's just, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough for mm-hmm. a team like Tottenham, and this is gonna happen. I, I thought that this game would be a nil-nil draw, and for <laughs> up until the 40th minute, I thought I was looking good. I thought I was in the clear because nothing really happened for the first 40 minutes, and then there was the red or not the red card, the goal disallowed for the foul on Youngman Son. Which, look, in my opinion, it is a foul. I'm not saying that Youngman Son needed to roll around on the floor for two minutes. He did not. It was not a bad foul, but I, in my opinion, I think it was still a foul. Hand in the face with a flick, it is still a foul. They will call that most times. Whether or not you want to say it was too far back before the goal, that's up to interpretation by the VAR officials, which VAR is shit. Look, I I am sur- I am surprised it was called. Honestly, I'm surprised that it was chalked off because it's far this season. But I think it's a foul. I I, I I agree with the fact that the goal was disallowed. Look, if you're a Manchester United fan, why do you fucking care? You still won three one. It's hmm. that's that's all I have to say about uh, it. I would okay. So this is this is going to be just a couple things at least on my point of view. One, this is a contact sport. And honestly, there was no malicious behavior in that contact. I know. He was, like, what a, I that's would, why it wasn't a red card. That's uh, why it wasn't a red card. If he, if he was looking back at well, Sun and did it, it would be a red card. The thing I was worried about. So this was the biggest thing I was worried about as they were reviewing this. And again, they called the goal off. I saw they called the goal off. And then I remembered Scott's already on a yellow. Yeah, yeah, and that I, was, I was worried about that, that too. Would yeah. have, that would now see that would have been fuckery at the well, they, highest level. They couldn't. They, they couldn't do that though. They, they couldn't have made that. It would have had to have been a straight red because VAR no. with, with VAR it can only review straight reds. It yeah. can't review a second yellow no, because it wasn't called a yellow that. on the field. They yeah. could not have made that a second yellow. I just, I, I just think to myself like, when I see stuff like that, there's no malicious behavior. It, it, it's completely accidental. And then, again, but these are like, this is a list of things going down the, why are we calling this? But then the other thing that I also want to reach out with is the referee on the field was 10 to 15 yards away from this incident. And he watched the incident happen. I don't think, he, I day, don't think he saw it. No, I don't think he saw it. I, there's there's enough photo and video evidence that proves that he was staring right at this, saw Hyung Ming Sun go down, and with clear knowledge of what just happened, let the play go on. But unfortunately, with VAR, anything looks bad in slow motion. I hate well, to sure. do this to you. Everything looks horrible in slow motion. Of course, I could I could walk up to Logan, flick him on the nose. If Ow. we if we put it in slow motion enough times at enough angles, I'm gonna get a red card. Like well, yeah, but you, if you did that in a game, flick somebody in the nose, it would be a red card. But you know what? I'm again. This is just. This <laughs> I'm just, is just, I'm just saying. No, like, you're right. You're right. 100. percent I mean, freaking Anthony Martial got a freaking red card for love tapping Lamella in the face and. There was no, like, 
Well, yeah, all just don't was, do it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's... Well, right. I mean... No, here's the thing. I understand why, at the end of the day, they called the goal off. But, at the same time, I have a ton of questions. This call was made the same week, within 24 hours, of a guy getting kicked in the face, in the box, and... Two referees and a VAR official all looked at it and decided to make it a no call. But 24 hours later, looks at a light tap in the face, 30 to 45 seconds before a goal, and they call the goal back. It's there's this is again, this is the same conversation we always have about VAR. Inconsistency. If you're not gonna call a kick in the face in the box, you can't call a love tap. 30 seconds, 45 seconds before a goal, almost at midfield. Like, it just doesn't make sense. The inconsistency is piss poor every single week. And honestly, this is just like, you know what? You're right, JD, you're 100% right. At the end of the day, United won, and that's what I'm walking away with. Guys, I want to talk about the post-conferences. I want to talk about the coaches. I want to talk about how Josie can dish shit but can't take shit. Mm. Okay. Well, are you gonna, are you going to talk about are you going to talk about Oli's comments about Sun? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm going to talk about Oli's comments about. They were a little Sun. disrespectful. I'm not saying that they were, but you also have to remember, anytime you look at something on a piece of paper, it could look a lot worse. You have to take it in context. Oli was basically chuckling as he was saying these things, and again, was it the correct thing to say? No, I don't believe so. But at the same time. Ollie's not the type of guy to starve children. So if you don't know the thing that Ollie said, Ollie turned around and said about the Hyung Ming Sung challenge, which was if my son, now I don't know if he was trying to do the connection one to two with the whole son thing, but yeah. that's up to Ollie. We call that a double entendre. That's what we call it. <laughs> Basically, he turns around and goes, if that was my son who got tapped in the face, went down for three minutes and needed 10 of his mates to help get him up, he wouldn't eat that night or at least eat that day or whatever it was which is always going to get taken out of context of course it's going to get taken out of context but the thing is if you're watching the video and you're seeing it happen he's chuckling he's chuckling so the thing about it is is other coaches are allowed to make jokes i'm not again this has nothing to do with jürgen klopp but i want to bring in how jürgen klopp sometimes says things but he chuckles he laughs he shows the teeth and the entire and the entire soccer world knows he's not what he's saying is not serious. He's not trying to insult people. He, that's just his humor. So this is Ollie's sense of humor. Now, uh, now I'm gonna flip this to Good apparently. Point. Hold on. To, counter, counter. He doesn't joke about starving his own child. There's that's. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like I said, it's joking. Fine. I don't but like. I that's don't, a weird joke to make. Yeah. It's a really weird I, joke I, to on, make. That's kind of strange. I, I, honestly, <laughs> hey, hey. hey. Especially at the height, especially at I, the height of England's pandemic, where a lot of there's a lot of underfed kids that you know a certain Marcus Rashford yeah, is you, trying to. F- you took my joke. Yeah, I realized Ollie walked in. <laughs> Ollie walked into the locker room. Marcus Rashford heard it. Marcus is like, "Boss, I'm gonna need you to step into my office." Like, yeah, let's talk. Exa- let's, ta- yeah. let's talk about what you said. I'm feeding 22 million kids this week, and you're sitting here starving your son. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Come on. That's kind of fucked up. No, that's a little but, fucked up. But then Josie turning around and calling Ali a horrible father and all this other stuff, how, you know, son is happy to have the father he has. But I'm just sitting here and I'm like, Josie, you've said some of the worst things on God's earth about your own players. 
And you've said some of the most god-awful things about other coaches. And what, Ollie makes a bad joke and you sit here and take it as a personal offense? I'm sorry, I think Josie's lost his touch. And I, at the same time, I think he's lost his absolute mental. He lost think, it a while ago. <laughs> I'm just like, I just, you see, you see him now and he just, everything he, any, if anyone talks anything about Josie, oh, you're insulting me. How dare you insult me, insult me. Uh, okay, you're not Zlatan, okay? You, you, people are allowed to talk shit about you. You're a coach and you're a coach who's trying to deflect the fact that your team sucks and you're a bad coach and you're not going to play in Europe next year. That's all mm -hmm. you're trying to do. He's just deflecting, and Ollie gave him some ammunition. Yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a sensey boy. He's a little bit of a sensey boy. But we have two Monday games to recap. Let's get them out of the way, because honestly, there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Uh, West Brom forgot that they're not playing Chelsea again oh, this week. Uh, Arsenal, they, oh, Arsenal, oh, beat, Ars yeah, Arsenal Oops, beat Sheffield. Sorry. But Come on. Do we, do 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 we, do we have to? I'm so fucking sorry, man. I forgot one game. My God. Oh, I'm insulted. Three, I'm insulted. Sheffield, no. I'm insulted. How dare you? Oh, my God. Sheffield beat Manchester United earlier in the season. How can you forget Thanks. about them? <laughs> Arsenal won unexpected goals, 1.79 to 0. .33. They have 55% of the ball to 45, 14 shots to 7, 11 chances created to 5. No big chance created by any team. Lacazette got a brace, and Martinelli scored, and Arsenal beat Sheffield, I guess. Yeah. JD, thoughts? I mean, yeah, I <laughs> I, I kind of thought that this game would go a little differently. I didn't think Arsenal would be as clinical as they were, just because it's, it's Arsenal this season. But they were. You know what? Give them props. Uh, Lacazette looked great. Mar uh, Martinelli scored a tap in, but that's pretty much what he needs right now. Uh, you know, come back from injury, young player trying to make his mark. Uh, he, he needs goals like that right now to just, just get more confident in his play. And Sheffield or Sheffield, they're just going to lose these games. <laughs> I mean, when, if they go down one nil, it's just pretty much, yeah. They're, they're going to sit back and probably lose 3-0. And that's exactly what happened. I, there's no hope for them this season. They're going to go down in the championship with fuck who, who the fuck knows what coach next season. And hopefully try and push for promotion. But who knows? Because they're going to lose a lot of players. I, I, can, guarantee, I can guarantee you that. They're going to lose a lot of players this season. Mm. Okay. JD or Matt, any thoughts? I mean, really, I, th there's not too much about this game that really, like, this game just happened. Honestly, I had it on in the background. I, you know, I had it on as background noise. Arsenal owned every part of this game, top to bottom. I mean, honestly, Lacazette looked very, very good. Uh, Thomas Partey is someone who I also want to give a shout-out to. He looked very, very well in this game. But as I said last week, this is just, you know, Sheffield are the Motrin of the Premier League. They're the ginger ale. If you have an upset stomach or a headache, you just pop one of those and, hey, you feel better. Everything's good. Hey. So Arsenal, that was a dumpster fire going in from the failed performance in the Europa League over the week, turned around, got a nice sympathy win. Everything's good in the world. But, guys, I want to talk about Arsenal. I want to talk about they are in ninth with 45 points, and they are... At this point, nine points, eight points outside of a, or they're around there, outside of a Europa League spot. Their upcoming matches are Fulham, Everton, Newcastle, West Brom, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. 
Do you think that they have enough to get up there? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they only have to get to seventh, and they'll be in the qualifiers. So seventh is Tottenham. They'll finish ahead of Tottenham. I think they'll make it. That's good. Hey, that's a good take. It'll be right tough. There. It'll it'll be tough. I think. No, it'll be a, tough. Yeah. I I think it'll be tough to get out of the position they're in. They're in ninth, right, or tenth? They yeah, they well they they're in eighth as it sits right now. So right now as are it they? sits, yep, as everything goes right now, Arsenal. No, Arsenal oh, no, are in ninth. ninth. Ninth yeah, right ninth. now, yeah, yeah, ninth. My apologies. That's what I thought. Yeah, but they and are they're tied. They're tied with Leeds. They're tied on on goal difference with or well, they're ahead on goal difference with Leeds. Leeds, Leeds has forty nine goals scored and forty nine goals conceded. That's the yep. most Leeds stat of the year. Yeah, it absolutely is. And you know what? They're on a three game win streak, and Arsenal are not. So uh, I I don't know. It's gonna be really tough for Arsenal. I, I, I don't even I don't know their schedule. I I, I, I just I don't know it. I, I haven't looked at it. I don't care. It, it's gonna be very tough for them to get out of this predicament. I don't see them getting into Europe next season. I just don't. I just don't. With with Everton, which yeah, they well, we'll get to them, but Everton, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea in front of them, I I just don't see it. I yeah, they won three 0 but it's it's Sheffield. Come on. Mo- most most teams can beat Sheffield. Only most. good teams. Only most. good teams with good managers and good players can beat Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we we don't have to talk about Manchester United. Yeah, but, no, uh, no, no. Yeah. Not what? Not. It's amazing that they're in second place when the entire team is shit. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and the manager sucks. Yeah. Next yeah. game. <laughs> he does. I three. I heard he doesn't even feed his kids. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. West Brom three though. Next game Southampton nil. Unexpected goals, West Brom won 2.97 to 1.6. Southampton had 60% of the ball, but West Brom had more shots, 15 to 14. More chances, 14 to 9. Six big chances created to one. Um, They, you know, prayer getting the pin. I actually didn't see it, so I don't know if it was a pin or not. I'll just let's say that it was. Give him benefit of the doubt. No, it was. It was. It was. It was. Cool. And then Phillips and was. Robinson scoring as well for West Brom. Southampton, man, they suck. No, yeah, no, this game was horrible. I mean, th- this game was built for Southampton to succeed, and West Brom just showed up and was like, nah, dude, we got a Cinderella story to fill. And Big Sam got, I, from the first minute of this game, Southampton was the second best team out of two teams. Like, Southampton couldn't retain possession. They couldn't, even as they were sitting back, which for me, would be quite embarrassing that you're playing against a team that's in a relegation spot and you're the ones who are sitting back and defending for the entire 90 minutes. I don't remember hearing Danny Ng's name more than three times in the entire game. Like, it was that bad. And then to and top it off... One with, of those times was him giving the ball away for one of the one of the West Brom goals. That's exactly it. You even get a penalty in extra time and can't convert. That's That's just... If you want to talk about a horrible day at the office, that's exactly what Southampton did. But honestly, all credit goes to West Brom. They played out of their skin today. I mean, I'm talking, I couldn't believe what I was watching seeing this West Brom team play this well. And honestly, it makes me ask the question, where the hell have these guys been all year? I don't know. (laughs) That is the question, isn't it? I think... I haven't seen a team 
play this well, knowing that they're probably going to get relegated. I <laughs> West Brom, I I don't see how they stay up still, but like good on them for for creating a bunch of good performances towards the end of the season. But it really it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. There's there's no way they're getting out of this. They're they're nineteenth. They're they're what two points behind Fulham with a game in hand. But even then, Newcastle is still what eight points ahead of them. I, I take say they win. They're still five. Say West Brom wins their game in hand. They're still five points behind seventeenth. I I don't see it. West Brom they can put good performances together, but you got. Chelsea, who they beat both times, or no, well, they tied the first, they drew the first game, and then they beat well last week. That's one team that they've been clinical against, and then I don't know about the, this performance. I, it, it's just, it was good, but it was against a poor Southampton team that were just not playing well. And again, good on West Brom. I just don't think it's good enough to stay up. I that's that's really all I have to say. I I I don't even think they have good enough players that they're going to be ravaged by transfers. I I think most of this core team is going to go down to the championship and probably play well and probably come back up next season. I mm. I I just right now I I think they're in the position where yeah, good good results at the end of the season are good, but it's not going to help them in the long run. Okay, and we're gonna end the end the week off as we started it with the game that happened: Brighton nil, Everton nil. On expected goals, Brighton won 1.16 to 0.37. They had 55% of the ball, 23 shots to eight. Didn't score a fucking one of them. 15 chances created to four. Yet they had no big chances created by either team in this game. Matt, this textbook game that happened. Yeah, this game I had on in the background while working today, and Jesus, if I didn't almost fall asleep standing up. This game was bad, top to bottom. I mean, honestly, like, same old story with, you know, Brighton. Hey, we have all these chances and can't convert. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. That's honestly what Brighton's going to be. And honestly, for a team that's that close to the relegation zone to play that week in front of goal is pretty sad. And at the same time, Everton, what am I supposed to think of these guys? Like, real, what am I really supposed to think? These guys defended. This is the same situation with, as Southampton. They defended for almost 90 minutes. You're the team in the top eight of the league, and you're letting a team close to the relegation zone bully you for 90 minutes? Like, today was weird. Both games were weird. Both games didn't make sense. And honestly, I'm just... Like, when that final whistle blew, I was just like, okay, good. I don't have to watch any of this anymore. Yeah, JD. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I, this is definitely a game that happened, but also this is how this is what Brighton are. They they create all these chances, and I say chances, but just shots from nowhere. And it's more about Everton. It, it, there, there's two things here. Brighton. This is honestly a decent result on paper. Just a point from a good Everton side that played very poorly. I I, I think Brighton take this. I I think they take this point and are happy with it. Everton, on the other hand, should definitely not be happy with this. I think, I think Everton are the much better team. I think they could have played better. Uh, they just didn't, they just didn't create enough. 
it's it just turned out to be a very boring game i'm very glad i did not watch this i had to go to the office today i could not watch this game and i am very happy that this was a monday game because i am very satisfied that i missed this one and only had to watch the highlights which i was not even happy watching i never like watching a see I, I never like watching a no no draw it's never fun no usually but this one especially was just boring i just nothing happening lots of shots from nowhere and I, I just, I think Brighton take the point here and feel good. Everton take the point here and feel like, wow, we should have gotten two more. Mm. Okay. And those are going to be all of the games. Matt, how did we all do in the points? So, JD came in with a solid four. And one was the Leeds City game. Uh, no, you that. actually chose a draw for that. What? You can listen back. I definitely called it, though. I definitely called it, You though. said that you could see a win, but you said you were backing a draw. Oh, fuck me. You know what? Bummer. I don't Give me care. A half point. I, I, Give me no, half point. Yeah, you're getting a half point. You're Give getting a half, half point. point. You're getting a half point, okay? Fuck yeah. There you I'm go. so far behind, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Logan, myself, and the fans all came in with five points. So, yeah. funny enough, though, our goal predictions very very close honestly with the man united game i chose a 2-1 final mason greenwood scoring in like the 95th minute actually fucked me but yeah, yeah you, you <laughs> yeah, got are, are, are you really mad are you are you really mad no that was one of those things where i like was mad for two seconds and then i was like nah 3-1 is a nice score line so overall our squ- score points as it sits now 59 and a half for JD, 65 for Logan, 68 and a half for myself. So with a couple weeks left to play, I think we're going to have to start taking some chances, guys. Mm, maybe. I know, right? Maybe. We shall see. Uh, now let's get some hot takes. I already said my hot take. My hot take was Arsenal pulled together and managed to play in Europe next season. So I already kind of talked about mine. So Matt, what is your hot take? My hot take has nothing to do with the Premier League whatsoever. My hot Ooh. take my hot take is coming stateside and we are coming to the United States of America where hot take an MLS team is actually going to win the CONCACAF Champions League. And it's going to be the Philly Union, right? And I think the Philadelphia Union and the Columbus crew have the best chance by far because those teams are still very well loaded and they're physical enough to play against some of those teams that come out of Mexico and some of the Southern American countries. So when they play, they play physical. But when you look at the Columbus crew and you look at the Philadelphia Union, they also play very physical. So that plays right into the MLS team hands. As it sits right now, almost four MLS teams are going to be advancing to the next round, which includes Portland, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Atlanta. So, hey, anything is possible, and uh, I actually wouldn't be upset if Toronto got eliminated, because fuck Mike Bradley. Dude, Matt, my dick is so wet right now that you're giving Philly some love here, because they already won their first, they won the first, like, 1-0, and yeah. they play again on Wednesday, and I am, and it's at home, it's at home to Subaru Park in Philly, in, well, Chester, right outside Philly, but <laughs> it's at home in Philly, and I am so fucking stoked. I yep. wish I'd go to the game, I really do, but uh, it's about an hour and a half, uh, and COVID shit, I'm not gonna go, but uh, I that, wish I could. That's but, also, oh. that's also the one thing I hated 
Like, because the Red Bull for about three, four years uh, were in Champions League as well, always being, like, one of the best teams. Like, either winning the Supporter Shield or being the best team in the East. The one thing I hated, especially, like, before COVID times, Champions League would start at the beginning of February, and the games would be at, like, start at, like, 9 o'clock at night in Harrison, New Jersey. So, game time temperature at the start was, like, 18 degrees. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you want you want to talk about I took full advantage of those hand warmer things and I think I stuck them in every orifice of my body to try to keep myself even a little warm. Yeah, no, I'm so excited for the fucking Philly Union to play on Wednesday because oh goddamn, they have an away goal and and the one nil lead. It's theirs to lose, but you know what? They've never been in this position before and they still got a great fucking team. And for but, those who and for those who do not listen, remember we everyone here, especially Logan, who's been a day one MLS fan, we up the MLS. So up the MLS. It's the it's the home it's the home league. Just fucking appreciate it for what it is. It's live soccer that you can go to. You can go to it for very little money. Exactly. Very little if you, money. If you have fifteen dollars if you have fifteen dollars in your pocket, you can literally sit anywhere in any MLS stadium. Well not not fifteen. I no no no. Realistically, I pay twenty seven dollars for a good seat at for the Philadelphia Union. That's absurd. For any sporting event, any major right. sporting event. All right. Twenty-seven dollars for let, a good seat. Let me hold on. I'll do Wild. I'll do I'll do this one for you. Hey Logan. I'm a season ticket holder with the New York Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I sit in the supporter section, which is directly behind one of the goals. It is general admission standing only for the full season. Remember, MLS, a I lot of guess. teams. I have a guess. How much is my season ticket worth for the entire year? How many Logan, games? Logan, guess, and then I'll guess. Let's see. So this year. I'm wondering how many games. See. One, two, it's three, probably like four, 25. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Twenty-two. Twenty twenty-one. Twenty. I only wrote down on my calendar about twenty-one. So one fifty. Yeah. For the entire oh, season? No, not one fifty. Oh my god. Oh, I wish. Man, it's I, crazy. I'm gonna guess, I don't I'm fucking gonna guess, know, and I randomly I'm, guess, I'm guess, and I get it wrong. How did I'm you guess, get it wrong? You I'm gonna fucking guess 400, idiot. Four hundred. Four hundred and. $25. It's like around $400. That's pretty fucking yeah. impressive. Okay, yeah. But like yeah. you think about it, like think it's comparable about this. to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. But like you think about this $400 for the entire season. That's two NFL games. That's, that's one, two NFL games. That is one game. That's two tickets for one game in the nosebleeds at MetLife yep. when yep. Yep. the Giants or the Jets play. Yep. A terrible game. Like a, a dog shit game. Yep. That's yeah. it. All right. Wild. Well, JD, your hot take? Okay, my hot take is Premier League relevant. Um, I'm thinking Leeds push for Europe next season. I don't think they're not going to do it this season, but I, with the momentum of their first season back in the Premier League, I maybe they lose Rafinha. I, th- I think if they lose anybody this season to a big transfer, it's Rafinha. And I don't... That would be a big loss for them, but at the same time... The money they'll get for him, I, you're talking like 30, 40 mil for Rafinha for his age, his his production this season. They can replace him, and not only replace him, but kind of fill some other gaps that they have. I don't, I I don't know how long Jack Harrison's loan is from City. I the end of may, this year. It's the end of this year. Maybe they, mm-hmm. maybe they 
use some of the if they sell Rafinha, maybe they use some of that money to buy him on a permanent. Maybe he wants to stay. Who knows? I I think they're in a good position to push for Europe, like legitimately. I, it, it's not legitimate for a team being promoted to say like we're going to push for Europe. That's just not a legitimate objective for any team that was just promoted. But Leeds for their second season in the Premier League this up, upcoming season, I think they could have a legitimate objective of pushing for Europe. And and I say Europe, I mean Europa League. I don't think they're going to push for Champions League, but Europa League I think is well in their sights, which would be wild, but I they're good. They're good. They just need to they just need to to get more consistent. And I just, that's a lot of teams. I just but. hope, like, I just hope with a situation like that, because, like, you see all the positives and stuff, and, like, we were talking about the same conversation with Sheffield last year and, like, the year they had and stuff like that. They need to get the correct players in. That's going to yeah. be the most important yeah. thing because if they don't and they just keep the same guys and people figure out what Leeds is all about, you could end up with another, you know, I don't think it'll happen with Leeds compared to Sheffield, but you could have a complete drop-off. So... It's up to the board to bring in the players. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is up to them. And the third best manager in the world. Yep. So we can make the joke. Now we're going to end the show off with Pepper Brooks MVPs. Matt, give us your Pepper Brooks MVP. Guys, 400 league appearances for club. Stepped in when the usual guy couldn't be there. Guys, he didn't even have that great of a game. But you know what? He was just there, and he did a great job, and it's a huge accomplishment for 400 career English Premier League games played. Guys, I'm talking Mark Noble. Played a huge part in that game against Leicester. Did his best to hold down the midfield as long as he could. He couldn't even play the full 90 minutes. But guys, 400 league appearances. There's only a handful of players that can say that they've done that, and, you know... At this rate, he's going to be one of the captains that leads West Ham to play against Barcelona and Bayern Munich Wild. on Tuesday nights. In his last Mark Noble season, versus last Cristiano season. Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, my, God, can, yeah, Mark, Mark Noble and Cristiano Ronaldo, the two opposite sides of the soccer body spectrum, captaining. Like Mark Noble's the type of guy where if you didn't know he was a footballer you would think he's just another guy at the pub watching soccer on saturdays and cristiano ronaldo literally was cut from greek marble so ronaldo's not juventus's captain but you know what i meant yeah i yeah i know what you mean but yeah yeah no mark noble what a guy what a guy what a guy i put down i put down nelson Semedo uh in the game he had 16 individual duels one Two key passes, 94 touches, most of them inside the opposition box. Uh, completed two long balls and two crosses, two dribbles, and seven tackles and interceptions. One man in the match. Didn't, didn't get a goal or assist one of the few times somebody doesn't get the goal or assist wins man in the match, but he was everywhere. He pretty much ran that that right-hand side, so he's my Pepper Brooks MVP. And J.D., you take someone to Ouchtown before we go. Well, first, before I take somebody to Ouchtown, population you, bro. What I want to say is, from your guys' perspective, Pepper Brooks MVP, I, w- I-, I wanted to say Natty Phillips for a long time. And and 
you can say like he is like a walking meme like it's natty phillips like fuck like yeah he's the best defender of the world lol but Whatever. i heard i heard he's a sh- on the short list for bala d'or i heard that yeah, from a very I, good podcast he is yeah he is he is on the short list of the ballon d'or uh not the ballon d'or matt the ballon d'or i but, will uh, die on this hill <laughs> what what i'm saying is the one thing he will guarantee is he will win every fucking header that comes his way. Mara you can say Fellaini. whatever you want about Natty Phillips, but any time a ball is in the air near him, he fucking wins that header. Love it. You cannot take anything away from him for that. I love guys but, like that. I love guys that, like, the ball is just in the air. And, like, because that's, that's how I used to think about Marwan Fellaini. I'm like, if you just put the ball anywhere near him, he's going to get it. Yeah. Like I, 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 I've had conversations with a bunch of my friends about this. Like, literally, they'll be like, yeah, Natty Phillips, he's, he's not good. Like, he's just, you know, there because, you know, the injury crisis. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? He wins every header, and that is invaluable. But that's not who my Pepper Brooks MVP is. <laughs> I just wanted to shout him out there. Love Natty Phillips. But who I'm sending to Ouchtown, population you, bro, is a number of people. In fact, the entire Fulham team. Ooh. Because you had a chance. You had a chance. Because every point counts. I said it earlier. Every point counts. And you just lost it at the end there. Adama Traore, I don't care how good of a goal that was. But that just that goal just ouched town. I mean, uh, your, your Premier League survival hopes, your hopes and dreams, crushed by... A, ma- a mountain of a man, pure muscle, and he it just an unsavable goal. It was destined. You were destined to go down for him. I'm sorry, but sent you to Ouchtown. Population, you bro. Pepper needs a new pair of shorts. Hmm. Not Hungman's son. No, no, oh. fool him. Uh, I just want everyone this week before the uh, Champions League and Europa League games kick off, uh, pour one out for one's homie, Youngming son. You know, he took that horrible injury to the face, and um, I'm just glad he recovered, honestly. Like, just happy he's alive, and I'm happy his dad is better than Ollie Gunner. And apparently- to counter that, to counter that, I'm glad that Bruno Fernandez is okay after the uh, yeah he the took a horror hit. tackle he oh, took. He- he took a hit, uh, dude. Oh, dude. He got lightly he grazed got on the side. Like crazy. Yeah, he, he got lightly grazed on the side of his foot. Dude, his entire career flashed before his eyes. I'm dude, just I'm, he, I I thought I saw like three flips in the air. Yeah, I, just, I thought I thought he did two three somersaults in the air it, and I know this is like we shouldn't we shouldn't be talking about this at this point. What didn't Neymar physically get hurt flopping a challenge? Yeah. Did, like he got, that was a while ago. Wasn't I, that wasn't a, recent. No, that wasn't recent. No, but he physically hurt himself faking getting yeah, hit. Yeah, I think he, he did that at one point. I, I love seeing that, honestly. I will never wish injury upon a person unless it's in that situation. If they're, like, over-exaggerating a foul and then they hurt themselves, like, you know what? They deserve that. I think the com- yeah. I think that like the whole like you should just get all the videos of Neymar when he represents Brazil in the World Cup, and it's just basically him just rolling on the ground like a five year old. So, except yeah. for except for the back injury and no, no, okay, yeah, the, okay, other than that, yeah, other than that, that was an actual injury. That. But <laughs> no, that was like because the one problem is this was the cry wolf situation because everyone turned around and watched this guy on the ground and they're like, oh, he must just be faking it again, and then oh, everyone yeah. and then everyone watched the replay and they went. 
Oh, he actually, like, kind of really hurt his back this time. Yeah, that was, like, actually a bad injury. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> that is pretty ironic. He needs for, some for milk. Neymar. He does. <laughs> but that's going to be the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love and appreciate every single one of y'all. Have a safe week. We'll see y'all on Friday. Be safe, y'all. Peace out. Peace out.